You are listening to First Church Charlotte. All right, let's get into the word of the Lord together. Um, we are uh, looking at, looking at uh, a passage of scripture. I am going to direct your attention to Revelations chapter number 15. And I am going to read one passage of scripture from that location. Uh, why don't we all stand together? It's our habit and sometimes there's confusion do we or don't we let's just do okay let's honor the word of the Lord and so uh, I'm going to read at verse number uh, let's let's start at verse number two and I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire and those who have the victory over the beast over his image over his mark and over the number of his name standing on the sea of glass having harps of God They sing the song of Moses. Notice that. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the song of the Lamb. Song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, interestingly enough, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. Somebody say amen. You alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you. That's us. That's the Gentile church. All nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgment shall be manifested. I love it. So my title for the next couple, three hours is simply this. um, A journey called freedom. A journey called freedom. God bless you. I love you. You may be seated. Before we get into the word, let's just take a moment and incline our hearts and gather our minds. It's possible for us to come to church and not really come to church and listen to a Bible study and still have our minds distracted. All week long, you've had your to-do list. You've had your hobbies. Uh, right now, let's, let's make this hallowed time and hallowed ground. Not because of me. I'm, I'm just a preacher in the South. <laughs> not because of me, but because it's the word of the Lord. Lord, would you open our hearts and open our mind and would you help us to receive this word as eternal life, literally eternal life in the form of your communication to us. Don't let us be distracted during this time, Lord. Don't let us be flip uh, during uh, this time we would reflect upon your word, but speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, a journey called freedom. Uh, Freedom is something that we celebrate and all across America, particularly on this Sunday, preachers and pastors and perhaps even beyond America, all across the world, preachers and pastors are preaching some version of a theme on freedom. there's a lot to pulpits hearing, he that the son has set free is free indeed. I've preached that one a few times. Uh, there's also the power of a declaration. I've preached that one a few times. That's what the founders of our country did when they, they signed a document. They made a declaration that uh, heretofore uh, they have been governed under the political structure and systems and legal sovereignty of the United Kingdom, but from this moment forward, uh, because there are certain uh, rights given to them by God, they are no longer going to be under the sovereignty of the United Kingdom, but they are going to be under the sovereignty of their own civil, legal, and national uh, existence. And so our nation was birthed, and we celebrate the signing of the Declaration of Independence. That moment 
July 4th, 1776, um, was just the day after many weeks and more, perhaps months, of discussions, debate, reflections, and the like. They agreed upon a text that they all could sign their name to that would be a declaration of their change, change of political order, change of national sovereignty. Um, We celebrated that yesterday. However, uh, freedom is not just a piece of paper. Uh, Freedom is not a document simply to be handed around the room. It's not even a debate to be wrestled with one with another. Uh, Freedom is more than simply something you can do in a moment. The truth is, freedom is a journey. That's not just true spiritually, although it definitely is true spiritually. It's also true in a, a political sense. The Signers of the Declaration of Independence would pay a price over years for their signature upon that document. Uh, Many of them, uh, I think about 10% of them, would die uh, and be tortured by uh, the British Empire as traitors. Um, Over 20% of them would lose everything, uh, their houses, their houses sacked, their their lands and titles and whatnot stripped from them. Uh, Another, uh, another, uh, I think, some good number of them, maybe 20% of them, or less than 20%, uh, would die uh, fighting in the war through either wounds suffered or hardships uh, faced during that time. My point I want to convey to you today is you can sign papers all day long, but you're going to have to work for freedom. Um, Papers have their place. Documents have value. And as a nation, it's appropriate that we have a symbolic date. But it's also important for all of us to know uh, that it wasn't simply a piece of paper and that was the end of it. That piece of paper was just a symbol of a real struggle. Freedom takes time. It takes commitment. It takes work. It is a resistance against a force that would hold you enslaved. It is a choice you make. It is a decision you stand on. It is a path you walk. It is a journey you commit to. Is there any apostolics in the house here today is going to preach with me? It is something you work toward. You commit yourself to. You get up and you discover fresh mercies new every morning. And you turn away from the path of sin. And you turn away from the works of bondage and the acts of the flesh. And you turn toward God and you say, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. You can have a moment in a prayer room and that's good. You need it. You can have a moment in an altar and that's good. You need it. You can have a moment in a baptistry. That's good. You need it. You can even have a moment where you're filled with God's presence but you're going to ha- you're going to have to work out what all of that means in the day to day life. The journey The trials, the struggles, and yes, the victories. Freedom is a journey. I read a story about an individual named Derek Hamilton who spent 21 years wrongly incarcerated, uh, wrongfully convicted. He was finally freed December 7th, 2011. And uh, after 21 years of being in prison, uh, he tells the story of how, um, I I believe he was exonerated by DNA evidence or something like that. And um, he tells the story, the day I walked out, my wife, my nephew, and my son was in the car waiting for me. There was a church right around the corner. I would always listen to the bells ringing when I was in jail. 
I didn't even know where the church really was, but I would pray when I would hear the bells. It was my only opportunity to pray at the same time people on the outside were praying. When I got out, that was one of the first things I wanted to do. Just walk around the corner and pray in that church. I went in and thanked God for my release. Going into that church, Derek said, it was like being born again. Okay, so that's a wonderful day of Release. It's a day of uh, no longer are you held, no longer are you imprisoned, no longer are you incarcerated. But uh, oftentimes prisoners discover that they know a lot about how to live in prison, but they have to learn how to be free. They have... They know how to survive. They know when to talk and how to talk. They know what they have to do. Their whole life has taught them the lessons for incarceration. And then when they get out, they have to learn how to be a free citizen in a country. That is the journey. Let me tell you another story of a prisoner. Uh, He also uh, was uh, a prisoner uh, many, many years. In fact, he had spent the whole of his adult life in prison. He wasn't wrongfully incarcerated but he had grown up in such a terrible set of circumstances that to act in a criminal way was just the natural expression of his of his uh, life he he had the the history of his upbringing is tragic and uh, early in his early adulthood he went to prison and spent all of his adult life in prison his name is uh, Robert Salzman and when he was released at a, as a 51 year old inmate. When he was released, um, he went from halfway house to homeless shelter to the street, halfway house, homeless shelter, street. He knew how to survive in prison, but nothing had prepared him to survive as a free individual. Nothing had prepared him to make his own way. He couldn't, he wasn't effective at a job. He couldn't start a business. He didn't understand the things that so many of us because we had better upbringing and opportunities and the like uh, we know it just because someone took time to teach us he knew none of that Interestingly, though, he had an event happen to him that he called, it literally was a, it was a grace-like experience uh, that happened to him. And, and uh, he was on the New York City subway, homeless, um, and he was seen by a movie writer, a movie producer, director type individual. This individual saw him and he was writing a movie that was about um, an ex-convict. And when he saw this this man, this individual that uh, the story is about, um, he walked across the car of the subway, introduced himself to him, asked him some questions. He could see in Salzman's very visage the hard years of prison. He could see uh, that he had lived the life of the character that the, the director was trying to convey. And so he asked um, this individual, Robert Salzman, if he would try out for a part in his movie that he was directing. And so um, uh, Salzman agreed to do so. It came easy to him because he wasn't really acting. He was just acting like himself. His life literally was the story that was being told by the director. And so this individual who had never found a way, never found a path, never uh, didn't know how to live as a free individual 
receive this opportunity to act in this movie. And it was his first successful job that he ever had held down. There's a story that happened that he tells in his uh, interview that is in a March 2011 uh, issue of the New Yorker magazine. He tells this story of one day on the set. They had been shooting a lot. He had been uh, working extremely hard. And he was exhausted. And uh, so as they were taking taking a break between shots, he found a cot in a cell. And this cell was in a a penitentiary that has no longer in use in upstate New York and they were using it to make the money, to make the movie. And uh, he laid down on this cot in the cell and he went to sleep. And when he woke up, uh, he was very disoriented and like sometimes we all do and he's trying to claw his way back to consciousness. And for a moment, he thought that he was still a prisoner. And he thought that the story of his release was a dream. And the story of his time as free, a free man was a dream. And he thought for that terrifying, horrifying moment that him having a job acting in a movie was all a dream. And the reality was is that he was still a prisoner locked up in a cell. He immediately began weeping and sobbing and other cast members heard him crying in the cell. And they ran in there to find out what was wrong and when he saw them rush in he realized the cell wasn't locked and he realized that he really was an actor in a movie with a whole new life here's the thing freedom can be a piece of paper but learning how to be free can take a lot of time a lot of struggle a lot of effort and this is also true spiritually we can have victory over the sins of our past we can have forgiveness but learning how to walk in christian victory learning how to stand in spiritual anointing learning how to stand in the victory that is of god that can take time effort even sacrifice even prayer even dedication it will take a while for you to learn how to live free One of the ministries of our church is called Freedom. Our church is organized. Almost everything we do, if you want to understand the why of why we do things, it is a church organized around the one who is lost, not the 99 who are saved. Uh, There's a lot of things we could do that would be for the benefit of the 99, but as our structures are in place, we as a leadership team seek to be like, if if the Lord would grant, us this to be as much like God as we can be and always be organizing for the one who is lost I uh, uh, coming up with my message coming up with the, 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 the manner in which we do everything it's all organized around that principle and so one of our ministries here at the church is called freedom and what it really is is a 12 week discipleship program to help people deal with their yesterdays they are no longer in Egypt but Egypt is still in them you see this is the journey of freedom are you hearing me today God can take you out of Egypt in a moment by the passing of the 
death angel, the passing of judgment, the passing of a moment. You can be out of Egypt, but it's going to take a little while to get Egypt out of you. You're going to need not just a moment of freedom, but you're going to need a journey of freedom. And you will see that in the symbols and the examples of the house of Israel. Yes, they're out of Egypt, but the story is just getting started. Did you see that? Yes, they're out of Egypt, but the story is just getting started. Moses would lead one of the greatest emancipation stories in all of history. One of the greatest uh, examples of leading a freedom project was led by Moses as he led over a million people out of slavery and led them into a time of becoming the people of God. Moses was a man of God, yes. Moses was a patriarch, yes. Moses was a mighty anointed uh, giver of law, yes. All these things are true. Here's something that you may not think of as much and that is this. Moses was also a songwriter. We have three of his songs given to us, and the first one was sung after they crossed the Red Sea. This is Exodus chapter number 15. You can read it. He leads all the house of Israel in worship. Miriam gets a tambourine. They start to moving and shaking and, and, and whatnot and having a good time. And the second song you can read of Moses is in Psalms 90. The whole psalm is a song of Moses. And of course, the third song of Moses that is given to us is in Deuteronomy chapter number 32, right before he's going to pass uh, to his reward. And the children of Israel are going to have a successful entry into the promised land. He was a songwriter. He was a worship leader. When he had something he wanted them to hold on to, he did not just give them law. He also gave them song. As believers, we have to have both. Yes, we have to have order. And yes, we have to have submission. And yes, we have to have obedience. Amen? But never doubt the power of worship. You need a song in your life. You cannot just have a, a set of thou shouts and thou shalt not. You need the power of a song in your life. Because the highest expression of our hearts is not obedience. That's the offering of a servant. The highest expression of our hearts is worship. This is the love of a son or a daughter. We have been adopted by God. He gave us his name. You are no longer a spiritual orphan and therefore worship must be fundamental to the believer's heart. And so Moses gives them more than law. He also gives them a song. Uh, He says in uh, Psalms 90 things like, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. He says things like, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Uh, this is all the song of Moses. And of course, uh, in Deuteronomy 32, he gives them an extended law that's a song, I should say, that celebrates what God has already done, celebrates what God has promised to do, celebrates the giving of God's law that will teach them redemption and their need of it, celebrates their ultimate 
salvation by Almighty God. But Moses did not start as this great figure of freedom. Moses did not start as this anointed giver of spiritual emancipation. Uh, He went through a season of, of becoming. He Even Moses had a journey to freedom. It's not just you. It's not just little old me. Even Moses had a journey to freedom. Let me show you this very quickly. I think this is helpful to all of us trying to manifest the heart of God and be useful in the hand of God to our generation. The first thing you see in the life of Moses is the years of him becoming himself. The first 40 years of his life were Moses becoming Moses. He had to come to age. He had to go through his education. He had to get two cents to rub together. (laughs) He had to become who he was and we know he very successfully did that because of the inheritance or the gift I should say given to us by Josephus in his histories. We have uh, a pretty good insight into Moses' life in these early years. He went from being a castaway to being a prince and went from being a prince who simply was a member of the house of Pharaoh to being a man of merit. He would become a general in the armies of Pharaoh. He would lead battles against those tribes and nations that would attack attack the borders of Jerusalem. He went from nobody to somebody to a successful somebody and all of those are different journeys we all have to make in our life and you see him at the height of his powers seeing injustice looking around deciding somebody needed to do something deciding he knew what needed to be done and deciding he knew when it ought to be done and making a great big mess of it. This is the years of becoming himself. Some of us are that way. Uh, we go through the years of becoming ourself and we ultimately strike out in frustration, strike out in impatience and, and we create a larger mess that God will even so use in our life. And so you see the second phase of Moses' journey to freedom. If the first phase was becoming who he was becoming Moses this second phase was an isolation period it was a almost like the isolationist period of Moses's life so first he became himself secondly he's going to become God's man and how is God going to do that he's going to put him in a desert he is going to fill him with impatience he's going to fill him with a sense of futility and Moses is going to come to himself and he's going to realize that his self is found wanting. Indeed, his self is going to be crushed under the monotony and the seeming indifference of the moment. The self is crushed as Moses is becoming God's man. It gets to a point where he decides his life is over and he'll just wait out that which remains in the wilderness. But just about the time Moses thinks that there's nothing to him, God shows up and says, hey, I have a word for you to give to Pharaoh. Let my people go. I'm sure Moses probably had some thought as he thought through it that went something like this. All right, God, I already tried that. I tried to let your people go. It didn't work out too well. God wants Moses to do it in God's time and in God's way. This is when we become 
godly or people useful to God. We no longer want to do it our way. We no longer insist in doing it in our time. We no longer determine it has to be by our plan. We now are able to say, Lord, something needs to be done. Why don't you tell me what needs to be done? Lord, a change needs to be made. Why don't you tell me when to do what you will tell me to do? All of a sudden, you become powerful in the hand of God. It was never in me. It was never in you. It was always in God. Always in God. Do you see? First, he became himself. Secondly, his self was crushed and he became God's man. And the third phase is when God sends him. And now what you see is God's man brought to God's mission. Do you see what happened? Moses came to himself. Now the selfish crush, he becomes God's man. Having become God's man, having surrendered his plan for God's plan, his time for God's time, he now is God's man brought to God's mission. And so the era of usefulness begins in Moses' life. And with his brother Aaron to help him, he goes to Pharaoh's court and he says, the Lord has a message for Pharaoh uh, let my people go and he leads the greatest freedom project the greatest emancipation in uh, uh, ancient history where over a million Hebrew men women and children uh, are delivered from Egyptian bondage and uh, having crossed the Red Sea having had the answer of God done they now are given a mission they are placed in a wilderness of becoming do you see a theme that is happening here freedom as a technicality can happen in a moment but learning how to be free that's a journey we all of us are on a journey called we're on a journey called freedom all of us are learning how day after day to be more effectively God's man God's woman to be more effectively used in God's plan in God's time and yes the the impatience of it is real and yes the frustration of it is real and yes we just want to move on already and yes we want to get busy now and God's not either saying not now or not saying anything and we're coming to the end of ourselves. And there comes a day when we're no longer insistent on our plan in our time, but we wash our hands of self. And at that moment, God says, hey, there might be somebody I could use. And this is the journey called freedom. You see, it's not enough for you to have the testimony of what God has done. You have to have the testimony of who you have become in God. Let me say that again. It's not enough for you to have a testimony of what God has done. You need to have a testimony of who you have become in God. This is why it's not enough for us to have the testimony of God's miraculous work. That's what God has done. We have have to have the testimony of stewardship. Of what we have become in God. This is an important thing that distinguishes the people of God. There are things we could never do for ourselves. We needed God to deliver us from Egyptian bondage. But as we grow and as we become, you should not simply expect 
for God to do everything for you. But God is believing in you, investing in you, empowering you. And you will have both the testimonies of the miraculous... He's an on-time God. Oh, yes, he is. And you'll have the testimonies of how you started making better decisions and how you started becoming a good steward and how you learned to pray and how you learned to trust God and how you learned to keep a job and how you learned how to pay your bills. You have both the testimony of the miraculous and the testimonies of stewardship. And that's some fine preaching whether you agree with me or not. All churches are built on those dual testimonies. Yes, God can bring us out of Egypt, but he's been working on us in the wilderness. He's been investing in us in the struggles, and he's been telling us what we could do and what we could be and what we could accomplish for him. He's not content to do it all for us. He wants there to be a testimony in our transformation, not just a testimony in our deliverance. And so the children of Israel, they walk, they live the journey of freedom. And I want to preach to everyone here today, whatever you are facing, you are probably at some stage or depending on the trial, depending on the effort that you are involved in, you are probably, almost certainly I would say, in some stage of a journey of becoming. In some areas, God has already begun to use you. And in other areas, you are being challenged. You are being awakened to new vistas, to new, to new challenges, to new mountaintops. Caleb is an old man, but he's still saying, give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. We are able to do it. My faith is not just in a moment that has passed. My faith is in the God who is with me in the here and in the now. We all of us are on a journey of freedom. As a church we are on a journey called freedom. There is what God has done for us that we could never do for ourselves, and there is that which God has called us to do. And the spirit of the Lord whispers you are able. And the spirit and the bride say come. And the anointing of God in your life says you should believe for that. And you should speak for this and the drawing of the spirit of God says uh, I have people today they are in bondage and chains of sin but I'm going to set them free and I'm going to let you be the voice that speaks freedom to them this is the story of a journey called freedom I'm almost done musicians you can come it isn't just the story of Moses it's all of our stories it's all of our journeys and the interesting thing about this that I I want you to see that is so fundamental to the journey of faith we are on it's so necessary to our spiritual becoming uh, that it isn't simply an Old Testament phenomenon. I I told you where the songs of Moses are recorded. Um, Genesis 15, Deuteronomy 32, uh, Psalms chapter number 90. Uh, Those are songs of Moses. And it's easy to think that freedom and becoming deliverance and uh, transformation are uh, best expressed by the children of Israel in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, it's, it's, it's not really a thing. It's not really a symbol. But I want to show you that even at the end of the story even at the end of this era of grace this time of the wooing of 
humanity by God. This time of uh, the Spirit of the Lord uh, dealing with us mercifully. Even at the end of this time, when uh, the book of Revelations has begun, and uh, that spiritual apocalypse manifested in the book of Revelation is coming to fruition, and this end of days has arrived even there. We read this unique image that's shown to us in uh, beginning in chapter number 14 where the scripture talks of a voice out of heaven saying right from henceforth happy are the dead who die in the Lord from henceforth happy are the dead who die in the Lord yea saith the spirit that they may rest from their labors their works will follow them notice that their works will follow them a few scriptures later we get to where we read in the scripture you just turn the page and you're at this next passage I saw something like a sea of glass something this is John giving you an image that has prophetic weight that has spiritual insight he doesn't claim to give all the mystery to us he just gives it to us as an image a type of spiritual understanding And there were those who had victory over the beast. These are the people who have not been swayed by the Antichrist. These are the people who have not taken the mark of the Antichrist. This is an image. We do not understand it. And it's all all of its mystery. And that's that's okay. Uh, It'll all be sorted out in the by and by. But I want you to see it as an image of of spiritual accomplishment. They haven't just uh, turned away from sin. They They have not fallen for deception do you see the difference sin can be the excess of human lust and desire a deception something else deception works against truth sin is in your nature do you see they have been steadfast against both sin and they have been steadfast against deception and here they are in this moment They've not fallen for the deception of the mark of the beast. They've not taken the mark. And the Bible says they, in this image, are on this sea of glass. And they are playing uh, instruments of worship before God. And they are singing. What are they singing? What are they singing? They're singing the song of Moses. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought we're in the New Testament. What do you mean the song of Moses? I thought, I thought for sure, I thought for sure that, that we were, you know, that was Old Testament. We have other songs now. What are you still singing the song of Moses for? Well, it's not just the song of Moses. It's also, the Bible says, the song of the Lamb. Wait just a minute. You mean to tell me that the song of Moses is also the song of the Lamb? That's what the, that's what the Apostle John would, would have to tell you. And these are the themes that they sing whereby the song of the Lamb is unified with the song of Moses. Or let me say it this way. This is where the song of Moses is fulfilled in the song of the Lamb. And this is what they say. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations shall come and worship before you. Remember that passage where uh, the works, their works followed them. 
All of the nations come, their works follow them. What's the work of the church? What did Jesus say the work of the church was? To go to all the world and preach the gospel. You want to know the works that follow them? All the nations will come. That's a picture, an apostolic picture of the church. Do you see? The works of the church is the nations have come to worship. All You alone are holy. All the nations shall come and worship before you for your judgments have been manifested. I love this because this is what I want you to see. In the same manner, I want you to get this. In the same manner that God heard the prayers of his children under Egyptian bondage. He heard their prayers. He sent his man to speak freedom to them. What happened? They were freed. Then they went into a journey of freedom. And they became the people of God. But it's not just the song of Moses. That's also the song of the Lamb. God saw all of you. Do you see? Do you see the beauty of the scripture? It just, it's amazing. That's the song of the Lamb. God saw you in bondage. God saw you bound in sin. And the lamb said, we're not going to leave them there. Let the blood be applied to the doorposts of their house. And judgment will pass over them. It's not just the song of Moses. It's the song of the lamb. It's not just Moses singing an Old Testament tune. It's the lamb singing the hope of glory. And the death angel passes over all who have the blood applied. And we who once were dead, the apostle says, in trespasses and sins are now wonderfully, gloriously, spiritually alive. We're brought to new of life. That's God's work. That's the testimony of what we could never do. And he places us in a journey of freedom to do what we can do to manifest his kingdom, his heart because you have to have both testimonies. You have to have what only God can do and you have to have who you have become and who God has made you uh, by adopting you, by forgiving you, by bringing you into the fellowship of his own. That is a picture of the New Testament church. When you came to this altar, there was nothing you could do to save yourself. So God took care of that. He took you out of Egypt. The blood was applied. And he placed you between Egypt and the promised land. And he says, in this journey, you will become my people. We won't just get you out of Egypt. We'll get Egypt out of you. You will become my people. Let's stand all over the house. I'm so thankful today. I'm so overwhelmed with the beauty of the redemption story. I'm so so amazed when I look at these scriptures. I hope you are too. This book is life to us and it's so beautiful. I want you to see wherever you are in God, you are between the old you 
and the you you will become at the final completion. You are between the things you could never do for yourself and the testimony you are living out every day. Those of you going through difficult times and you haven't given up on faith, I want to say I'm thankful for what God has done and I'm thankful for what God is doing. What God has done was what you could never do and what God is doing is what he can do by partnering with you. You are on a journey called freedom. Don't give up on who you can be in God. Is there any believers in the house today? Don't give up on the ministry that can be done in and through you. Don't give up on the Bible study you can teach. Don't give up on the prayers of intercession. Oh, hallelujah, somebody, that you can pray. Don't give up on the difference you can make because you know what the church is? It's God's plan to make a difference. That's what the church is. It's God's plan to make a difference. I've heard people say, you know, I just love getting together with the church and just, we just all worship the Lord. And I love that too. I love special events and conferences and can't, all that's fine. I love it. We're together and it's just caught up in the glory of the Lord. Yes, that's wonderful and great, but that's, that's not our commission. That's just something we enjoy along the way. The mission we have is to make a difference. A day's going to come when the church is caught up in the glory and we're going to be together in his presence forever. Hallelujah. But in the meantime, there's a difference you can make. You need a testimony of what only God can do and you need a testimony of a difference you can make in your life. Let's pray right now all over this house. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for an outpouring of faith, an outpouring of spiritual expectancy. I'm praying for every believer that's here. Lord, I'm afraid that as as believers and as people uh, of faith and as church members, we are left with the feeling of, of futility because of the circumstances we're living with right now. Lord, don't let us be settled. Don't let us settle for that. Let us be reminded we're here for a mission. Let us be reminded we're here to make a difference. Let us be reminded we are here to speak the name of Jesus to a troubled hour, to a troubled generation. We are here to believe and to receive, to give and to share. We are here to be your people and to lead the nations to you in worship. That is our work. To lead the nations to you in worship. That is our commission. To lead the nations to you in worship. We bless your name right now. Amen. Amen. All across the house, wherever you are, if you're watching this from home, I know we still have a bunch of you at home. We're glad you're with us. Wherever you are, I'd like you to take a moment as our worship team begins to lead us in worship. I'd like you to focus your heart and mind on God right now. And I would like you to say, Lord, awaken within me the understanding of what I could do through you. Keep alive within me the burden for the commission that is all around about me. Keep in my heart the intercessory burden for a generation that desperately needs God. Right now, church, would you take a moment with me and let's pray in this manner and let's call upon the name of the Lord as our worship team leads us in worship. Oh God, I'm praying for this this house. I'm praying for these people. I'm praying for this leadership team, oh God. Don't ever let us be content to sit silently by as a generation 
walks in spiritual circles of confusion. The Lord let us speak hope. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.